How do you know when you're being a great listener? In today's episode, Meredith Bell of Grow Strong Leaders gives the perfect answer. Here's what she shared. You will know by how the other person responds to you. Because when I'm being a really effective listener, people can feel my attention and my presence. I make a real effort to bring love to the conversation, a loving spirit, so that they feel safe in opening up and that my questions encourage them. Curiosity is such a key aspect of listening. When you are really curious with someone and you are seeking to really understand them, curiosity is what you bring and love is what is felt. Imagine that, to show up in a way that someone will feel loved by us, appreciated, valued, and cherished. All of those words, even in the workplace, are so important because that's what leads to not just engagement, but passion and excitement about work. When people feel that their leader or team member takes a genuine interest in them. So as you can tell, we have another inspiring and informative conversation for you today. I can't wait to share it with you. Michael, hit it. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi, this is Susie Price, and you are listening to the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, where we cover everything related to helping you and the employees and the organizations you work in build a high commitment, low drama, wake up eager workforce. Bottom line, we help leaders and organizations make good decisions about their people. And so when you are making good decisions about people, putting them in the right seats, giving them the right support in onboarding, team building, development, succession planning, and conflict resolution, we create awake a bigger workforce. And so that's what we cover here in our podcast. And that is the work we do. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to me at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie. I'll be happy to answer any questions. And if you have suggestions for the podcast or questions about anything that we, any of the information that we share, please reach out. Today's topic is about growing strong leaders. It's episode number 87. This is what we cover. We talk about secrets and mis- common misconceptions about what it takes to become a strong leader. We share the top interpersonal skills that most increase awareness, appreciation, and compassion, and the benefits of peer coaching and how it changes behavior. I have a great discussion today with Meredith Bell. She is the co-founder and president of Grow Strong Leaders. Her company publishes software tools and books that help people build strong relationships at work and at home. She is an expert in leader and team communications, the author of three books, and the host of the Grow Strong Leaders podcast. We talk about her books, and we have links to her books in the show notes, and you can find the show notes and those links at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash grow strong leaders, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash grow strong leaders, and that is all lowercase and one word. All right, let's go to the episode now. I know you're going to enjoy it. Meredith, it's so good to see you. Thank you for being here and taking time to chat with us and share your wisdom. Well, Susie, you know, you have been one of my favorite people for all these years that we've known each other. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Long overdue, long overdue, in my opinion. We have known each other. I was trying to think, I think it's since 2006 is when I think. That's right. It's more than 15 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So great person with great insights. I'm going to jump right in so everybody can get the benefit of you. And let's talk a little bit about misperceptions about what it takes to grow communication skills. I was looking at some numbers. Um, People forget 80% of training. I think, I don't know if that's still accurate, 80% of what they've learned in a class or on a coaching call one month later. So a small percentage of take home here. Yes. Um, and we we don't think that. A lot of leaders think, okay, I'm going to hold, hold a course. They're going to go through some leadership training and they got them. And they're all better. Talk a little bit about all that. <laughs> that is one of the big misconceptions that organizations or people in organizations have. Send someone to training, introduce them to the skills. And now when they come back, they're expected to perform it in a different way. And our brains just don't work that way. It's a, I'll call it an innocent misunderstanding because we don't 
it, a lot of people just don't know any better. Uh, you know, they can spend a lot of money bringing in a very entertaining speaker or a very skilled instructor, but you're right. And I think the percentage is actually higher than that, that people forget. It's probably closer to 90%. I believe it. Because of how our brains are structured. You know, we have these, we don't come to the work with a blank slate. Over the years, we have acquired certain ways of, of saying things, of doing things, of approaching how we listen, how we give feedback. And those are actually hardwired in the brain. So just getting exposed to information or even practicing it in a classroom is not enough to have a new pathway laid down that's stronger than the old one. So it takes a lot of practice, reinforcement, reflection after you've practiced it to, you know, think about how did it go and learn lessons from that. And of course, it really helps to have a coach, someone who, whether it's your manager or a peer or uh, someone who's been hired from the outside, an individual who is behind you, you know, they're in your corner, they're supporting you and holding you accountable. So that combination of elements is what it really takes for training to stick. So this perception of, okay, I've had this leadership course, it was really good, everybody liked it, is a good thing. But it doesn't really, you know, bring it home. Anyway. Right. It's not enough. It's, it's, not, it's enough. not enough. And do you think it's with all skills or do you think it's more particularly through communication and leadership because of the hard wiring? What do you think? I think it's all skills way, but maybe harder. Well, here's the thing. When somebody is learning a, quote, hard skill, like a technical, how to do this, they often have guidance and repetition in that. That's true. See over yep. time. So that those same principles simply don't get applied to a lot of leadership courses that are geared to these other kinds of leadership skills. And it's unfortunate because, you know, think of someone doing something on a shop floor or a machinist or electrician, those kinds of skills, people have to get trained extensively and they practice and they are supervised, if you will, to make sure they get them right. And those same principles don't are not often not applied to these what are called softer skills. Yes. Yes. That is so true. That is so true. That makes a big difference. Interesting. Yes. So you have materials and programs and things that help make this easier. Because I think the why it doesn't have one, we're not thinking about it. It's the innocent misunderstanding. And two, it's like, well, how do we do it? You know, we know how to do it with like to your point, mechanical stuff. But how do we take that same model and put it over here? Uh, what is your answer to that question? Well, there are a combination of, of pieces that I was mentioning before. There's there's an expectation set in advance that you're going to be practicing this. You know, you're expected to practice this. We're going to be checking. And it isn't like holding a, you know, a whip over somebody. It's it's in from the context of supporting you as you're working on this, because we know it isn't something you can change overnight. And so putting in place the expectation that they're going to be using this in specific situations at work and then checking in with some other person on how they're doing, how it's going, what they have done. So there is that accountability piece. You know, Susie, we all respond well to that, whether it's having a trainer we hire to work with us at the gym or a walking or running partner, somebody else that cares about how we're doing in this area. Because we're all so busy, it's easy to set that aside and forget about it if we don't have it in the front of our minds, oh, I'm going to need to be talking to Susie about this next week. I better make sure I apply this. So I think that's a really uh, key part. And like I said, having time to either write down answers to questions like, well, how did it go when I applied this? What happened? And uh, did it turn out the way I hoped it would? And what have I learned that I can do differently and the ultimate success of applying a new skill. Yes. And, you know, it's uh, 
setting the expectation is something that gets left out of this puzzle. So having the accountability partner, coach, um, but prior to that, the expectation and, and whoever's running the program, particularly the, the leader of the program or the CEO or whomever needs to say, this is, we expect this from you. And so that's something that gets left out a lot in a lot of places in the work environment. Mm-hmm. Because once you hear that, oh, I'm, I'm expected to follow up. Okay. <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. sometimes we just don't even state what we're thinking just because of busy. Again, I think it's innocent misunderstanding. You know, it mm-hmm. just gets missed or they think they have it. Think, they think it should be obvious. That's the other thing. Thing that I hear sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. they, they know it's obvious. I'm like, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. That follow up is just so critical. I can remember years ago, a fellow that really loved one of our programs had been an executive with one of the Fortune 500 companies for many, many years. And he told me when we were talking about this, uh, the need for follow up, he said, you know, not a single leadership class that I ever attended in my entire career had any follow-up to it. Mm. We were just exposed to information and then expected that we would use it, but no one ever checked in to see if we actually did. And it's when you think about it, it's it's a waste of, of money to ha- spend, have people away from the job attending a class, and then there's no follow-up afterwards. I just think it's unfortunate that that because they don't get the results they were hoping for. That's the key. There's not that return on investment if people aren't um, having some kind of follow-up activities that they're involved with. It's the return on investment. And then in addition to that, the uh, outside of the bottom line is it lets down the participants because we're not really setting them up for success. Yeah. Not showing them the way, us as the facilitators or the leaders or the trainers, showing them to the way to make this change because mm-hmm. it is hard to change interpersonal skills. I think about way back when you were teaching me all of this when I first started with your working with you and your company uh, with the software and the surveys and such. Uh, we called it train to ingrain. And I always mm-hmm. thought that was such a good because it's about the new, you got to help people make new neural pathways, whether you're yes. learning a machine or even harder when you're changing how you've been communicating your whole whole entire life. Or maybe you don't have to change everything, but there's the habits that we have that are blind spots that they're hard to change because they're they're part of our strengths, you know, and we overdo mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. Yes. That's it. So I, I really enjoyed two of your books. I ordered them on Amazon and we will have them in the show notes. One is Connect With Your Team mm-hmm. and the other is Peer Coaching Made Simple. So we're going to talk a little bit about both of those. Connect With Your Team uh, is so clear as you always are in your communication, very clear in your communication, you and you and Danny, and you cover 10 interpersonal skills that are most empowering. How did you pick those skills? And these skills in the book, I talk about them being, they're the ones that on a team will help increase awareness, appreciation, and compassion. Who doesn't want that? Awareness, appreciation, and compassion with leaders. And we're always talking about putting people first. And so these skills are really related to that. How did you pick 10 out of all the all the interpersonal skills? I was like, man, they did a good job. But how did they decide? <laughs> well, you know, It was a process over years going way back even more than 30 years ago when Denny and I were both, you know, solo consultants working with organizations and seeing where people struggled the most. And so we had a list of all kinds of skills and just kind of prioritized this, this, this. And so it was looking at where are the the gaps? Where are the areas that create problems for people? And how can we present some concepts and not just concepts, but practical strategies of what to do to be effective along with those scenarios? We give some conversations, the before and after of what in the Connect With Your Team book on what it looks like when that skill like listening is not done well. And then what is it like in the exchange when it is done well. So people don't have to imagine, well, what is that really like? We made it clear and then giving very clear steps on what to do to make it as concrete as possible. Yeah, I liked in the listening one because that's one of my favorite skills. 
Uh, so I'm way better at it than I used to be. And it's always opportunity for growth. <laughs> but I really do want to hear, you know, what everybody says. And it's, if I'm being the facilitator or the podcast host, I'm better than when I'm just regular Susie out in the world. Isn't that funny? You know, when I've got my mm-hmm. hat on, I'm better at that. But I think one of the tools was decide, like I think of the listening one, I think the starting one, I probably won't get it exactly right, but it was very simple, but so helpful where it said, decide that now is a time to listen or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, yeah. Recognize you, the listening moment. Yes. 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 Because sometimes when somebody comes to talk to us, we just assume it's going to be a regular conversation where we both give and take, but there are times when someone needs to really convey something to us and we need to have our radar up to recognize that so that we can give them our full attention. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I had an interview with a a gentleman who wrote the book Connectable, and he said, communication is dealt. So yeah, you and I yak back and forth. That would be me being regular Susie. Oh, hi, how are you? And then, so communication is dealt, connection is felt. Mm -hmm. I love that. So recognize the moment. Okay, I need to not just communicate words right now. I need to communicate. My whole body is in it with you. Mm-hmm. And I, this is what you say, recognize the listening moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that skill for a moment since we're on it. Oh, um, yes. It's the number one. It's yeah, the number it's the first one. one. Listen to understand. And I remember with Covey, he always talked about seek first to understand. And that was such a lesson. Yes. Back in first graduated from college. I read that book and I'm like, listen to understand. And I've been learning about that ever since. Talk about that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, most of us. Unfortunately, most people think I'm a pretty good listener. I don't interrupt, right? But listening is one of the most energy intensive activities when done well, because it requires us to focus exclusively on this person and block out distractions. And I will encourage people to test themselves because if you try to do something else, while someone is talking to you, let's say you're on the phone and you glance at an email that came in or a text message that came in, I guarantee you, while you're looking at that message, you're not hearing what that person is saying in that moment. And so the idea of setting aside all distractions, the physical ones that are around us, but even more important or as important, our own thoughts. Because we can be distracted by how we are thinking about what the person is saying instead of being fully present and just absorbing the message they're delivering to us. And so one of the things that I think is, is it's an ongoing process is we never get to the end of learning how to listen. In fact, all of these skills, that's why we use the subtitle mastering the top 10 communication skills because you never arrive. And with listening, there are so many layers to it, because if I'm really listening with my heart, my mind, my spirit to someone else, I am not mentally judging or criticizing or preparing a rebuttal or even preparing a response to them. I want to make sure first and foremost that I am understanding what it is they're trying to tell me. Because especially if it's someone we have an existing relationship with, we've got all this sometimes baggage, maybe not negative baggage, luggage. (laughs) You know, we have previous experiences that influence how we listen to them. Walking with our our suitcases, you know, here's one suitcase, here's another. Yes, that is true. That's a good visual. And so it's, it's this idea of taking a fresh approach and, and getting them. And why this is so important is it's one of the fastest ways to create trust with another human being is to have them feel that they are being heard and understood. And that's why I loved Covey's principle of seek first to understand, because when someone feels they have been understood by you, they are going to be much more likely to be open to hearing your perspective, even even if it's not in an argument setting, but just another point of view. And so getting, taking the time to pause, ask, all right, this is what I've heard so far. Tell me if I've got it right. 
as somebody is talking. So listening isn't being passive and just letting somebody go on and on. It is being active and interjecting at different points, kind of summarizing what you've heard, asking them if you've heard them correctly and giving them an opportunity to clarify if you didn't, because they'll appreciate all those efforts that you're making to get what it is they're trying to tell you. Yeah, that's absolutely wonderful. It, it's um, it's every. I think every time we talk about listening and people hear about the, the the lesson of listening, we recommit to it. I guess what gets in the way is just busyness and mm-hmm. maybe thinking we're already really strong in it and not necessarily being as strong as we think. Um, that's sometimes yeah. why a 360 feedback survey could be good because we think we're you know our intention is to really listen. So how how do you think somebody will know when they're really, they're getting closer to mastery in this skill? What would you say? Oh, how the other person responds to them. Uh, Because when I'm being a really effective listener, people feel that. They can feel my attention, my presence. I make a real effort to bring love Mm -hmm. to the conversation, a loving spirit, so that they feel safe in opening up. And my questions encourage them. Curiosity is such a key aspect of listening. And, you know, one of my favorite authors, Steve Chandler, in one of his books, he talks about being curious with other people. And this sentence that he had in there just leaped out at me because I realized this is what I do. When you are really curious with someone and you are seeking to really understand them, Curiosity is what you bring, and love is what is felt. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. So how who do I need to be to show up in a way that someone will feel loved by me, appreciated, valued, cherished, you know, all of those words that even in the workplace are so important because that's what leads to not just engagement. But passion and excitement about work is when people feel that their leader or team member takes genuine interest in them. And listening is the way that we do that. And a part of listening is also empathy, where we really try to get in that other person's shoes. And so one of the ways we can detect a listening moment is when we're paying attention to someone's tone of voice. And even if they're not saying, I'm really upset right now, but you can hear it in their voice. Things are not going well. And so we need to slow down and not not ignore those signals that we're getting and give them a chance to talk about what's bothering them and then be able to reflect back to them. What is that emotion I'm picking up on or feeling? It sounds like you're really disappointed that you've got to start all over with this project or you know, and then you give them the chance to say, yeah, I really am. Or, oh no, it's not so much that as as something else. So that connection with them where we're, we're sensing where they're coming from and their feelings goes a long way to forming that connection you were talking about. Yes. Yes. And we can't ignore, I know some leaders say, well, well, there's not a lot of room for emotion at the workplace. Well, you better make some room because it's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ever give it, give it a seat at the table because it's taken over. If not, it'll get bigger and bigger until someone leaves or shuts down one of the two. Uh, so it's really a time saver. Not that you want to put efficiency yes. in it, but get, get, uh, you know, it's, it's hard. Everybody's juggling so much. It's like, oh, okay. So now I got to be really calm and Zen like and listen. And oh my gosh, you know, but if we don't, it's going to blow up some way or another. Mm-hmm. You know? That's such a good point. You are so right that this small investment, because it doesn't have to take a lot of time, doesn't, you know? Yeah. And I think being honest with someone, if you are in the middle of a, of a deadline, it's okay to say, right, I want to hear what you have to say. Right now, my mind cannot be fully with you because of this that I need to finish. Could you give me 15 minutes, an hour, or whatever? And then let's let's circle back. I think that's important rather than pretending to be with somebody and your mind yeah. is still over <laughs> like, here. Okay, I'm over here with this phone call I get ready to have or something. Yeah. Yes. 
it's, it's important to be honest because if you can't be present for the person, it's more respectful to them to yeah. just let them know this is not yeah. the right time for me. Yeah, so I think some of it is the worry about efficiency and a lot on our plates. But I think there's another flip side that maybe is the same as the other big half, which is I'm uncomfortable with it. You know, people mm-hmm. can be uncomfortable with, okay, so I'm going to really get one-to-one with my employees. And that's what you do if you're a great coach and, and leadership is coaching, but the comfort zone can be a little funky. Um, mm-hmm. Do you notice that? And how do people kind of shift out of that? Yes. And well, it goes back to one of the other communication skills in the book around asking questions. If you realize you don't have to be the answer person, right. solution provider, to the person that they have that inner wisdom they can draw from and you are actually long-term developing them as a professional by asking them questions that cause them to think and come up with their own solutions. To tell you the truth, Susie, for people who are uncomfortable with asking questions I think that it kind of goes hand in hand sometimes with being a micromanager and telling people, I need to tell them to do this and creating dependency. Whereas if we teach people to think for themselves by questions we ask, then they can handle situations, not come to us and feel okay about making decisions that we probably shouldn't be involved in anyway. And so learning to let go of that by instead of when somebody says, I don't know what to do about this. And instead of responding, well, you could do A, B, or C, you say, well, what have you thought about so far? Or what options are you considering? So that you toss it back to them and don't make it something that you have to take on. I think that learning to be a good question answer can help a leader relax into this situation and just ask a simple, natural question that emerges based on what the person is saying. Wonderful tip. And when you move from being that I've got to know it all to understanding that you're a facilitator or coach and realize that role, that's exactly what it is. You don't you want them to find their answers and mm-hmm. ask questions. That certainly is a switch for folks sometimes. So it is. Um, Great questions in here, too. I noticed that in one of really good, like easy to read, easy to grab questions that will help people be a great questioner and get comfortable with this really quick. And, you know, Susie, something else, leaders are sometimes hesitant to admit to someone else, I'm a little uncomfortable in this situation. And if they'll simply admit that, you know, like saying, you know, I'm so used to giving you answers to questions when you come to me. It's been a disservice to you and to me for me to take on that role. And I want to get better at having you feel free to come up with your own solutions. So I'm going to be practicing asking you questions. And so just being open with people and letting them know, here's what I'm working on helps them relax more because then you won't feel as awkward or tense up because they can pick up on that and they're like, what's wrong with this person? Yeah, why are what they did I say or do? Yeah. Why are they yeah. uncomfortable? If we just own it up front, then they'll be in it with us. They are going to be on our side, you know, cheering for us because this is probably something they've been wanting you to do anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and so and they're like, go oh, ahead. Um, that was a good question, you know, <laughs> they were like encouraging you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it has to, the leader has to be willing to take on the role of student and teacher and facilitator and coach and leader. Um, and it made me think of yes, uh, this week with the 360 feedback project that y'all have been helping me with is, you know, one of the things was, you know, get your feedback, let's create a summary report, and then you're going to go back to your team and tell them what you're working on, you know, and everybody's a little mortified at that, but we practiced mm-hmm. in the room and we did some feed forward things where they got used to saying what they were working on and getting feedback. But if you don't tell people what you're working on, they're going to assume you're still doing the thing that they maybe gave you some. Yes. Scores on on the 360 and because uh, they can't see it through new eyes unless you say, hey, I'm working on this. Yes. Um, thank you for the feedback. A little bit like, I gave him feedback and he's not doing it any different. Like, yeah, I'm trying, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. you know, that is such a great point. 
anytime someone gives us feedback, whether it's, you know, formally in a 360 process or they bring up something to us, how we receive that feedback and respond to them has everything to do with any feedback we're going to get in the future. Because if we are gracious and we do thank them, I love that you brought that up, that whether they're meeting with their team after getting feedback and talking about what they learned or in a one-on-one conversation, sharing thank you. And this is another important skill, receiving feedback graciously. So people will, will be feeling it's safe and okay to share what they're observing in the future. If something is getting in the way of their performance or or just how they interact as a team. So I think being willing to thank people and then look at what you might do differently and let them know, I'm going to be working on this. So I need ongoing feedback from you about how I'm doing. Tell me what I'm doing it well, right? But also hold up your hand and let me know, hey, you just did that again. (laughs) Whether it was interrupting or dominating in a discussion or whatever it might be, that these are people that you think of as your supporters, then it has a whole different feel to it than if you think, oh, I've got to really watch out what I'm doing and saying here, I'm being observed. Whereas if we're all in it together, it has a whole different feel to it. Changes the whole dynamic. Mm-hmm. Changes everything about it. That's amazing. Now, on the personal skills, I will put the link to the book in the notes, and we'll also put the 10 skills in the show notes too, because I think people okay. will find this interesting. Is there one that we haven't talked about that is has the biggest impact or that people have, you know, maybe have a hard time growing out of the 10 that really comes to mind? Well, we've talked about a number of them, the listening. And I think giving feedback is another one where folks yeah. struggle. How do, and this is on the positive as well as the constructive, because sometimes people withhold positive feedback because they think, oh, I don't want it to go to their head or, you know, they're, I'm paying them for doing this work. Why do I have to acknowledge them? Well, <laughs> it's, it's important for people to understand what behaviors you value and want more of. Because the behaviors that get rewarded get repeated. And so if you acknowledge them specifically for something they've done well, then they have an understanding. Oh, this is what she wants from me. So they they get that clarity about the expectations and the desired behaviors. Similarly, on the giving constructive feedback side, this is where a lot of people hesitate because they're not sure how to do it. And I think if you just bring to it, because you know, for every one of these chapters, we have a moment to recognize when it's needed, and then the mindset to bring to the occasion. And so the mindset for this is, I want to be clear with this person where they fell short, and let them know I'm with them. I'm here to support them as they work on improving this going forward. So structuring that conversation in a way that you set the context and affirm other things they've done that are good, and then being very specific about what they did and the consequences of it. You know, who was negatively impacted by that, either something they said or did, and what is it, the behavior that's desired for the future? And then this is so important, getting their agreement. Yes, Mm -hmm. I, I agree. That is what I want to do going forward. So if they don't make that commitment, then you're not done. You know, you still have some conversation around this because there's behavior that is needed that hasn't been agreed to. And you need to find out what's holding them back from saying, yes, I will commit to doing this in the future. That's excellent. Excellent. You know, what I see happens is they've held off on the feedback because um, they've not known how to do it effectively, the leader. So they hold off. And then now there's a big laundry list. <laughs> and so my coaching has always been they're like, well, so I will try to say, okay, let's talk about everything that's not working. Like if they're with me and they're trying to get ready to have a conversation or sometimes mm-hmm. I do these calls. And so there's a big laundry list and I let them go through it because it's helping them, the leader, 
you know, prepare and kind of like mm-hmm. brainstorming, you know, what's bothering us. Okay, so let's look at all of these. You know, if there was one area to change that would make the biggest leverage or one behavior mm-hmm. to to attack or address, not attack as far as feedback for that person to attack and really focus on what right. would it be. It takes a little bit in the conversation for people to get there, but once they land on it and then I help them word it a little bit, it because they're tired and they're you have the innocent misunderstanding that maybe they should just figure it out or you know, mm-hmm. whatever. There's a history of not addressing it. You know, there's all of those well, things. Exactly. You know, yeah. And this is the thing. We we can rationalize by saying, well, they'll see that they need to do this. We hope they'll discover it, right? And change. Mm-hmm unlikely, especially if it's a repetitive behavior that coming to meetings late, for example, that, you know, just one small thing or not turning in reports on time. There's, you know, any number of things that we just hope or or we let it build up. Like you say, there can be this laundry list and then we explode one day and the person's going, where did that come from? So it's managing our own feelings and and sensing when we are being frustrated and then looking within and saying, where have I not been clear with this person as a leader, right? And taking responsibility. So it's not a blame game. It's all on you. No. How can we work together to make sure this doesn't happen again, or this does happen in the way it's supposed to happen so that they sense your in their corner and they're not out there hanging, you know, out to dry with you watching to see if they're going to make a mistake again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting too, once people actually like come up with the one thing and have the conversation and follow some of your guidance and any help that they're getting, they're like, okay, that worked because it does work. It works every time. It and does. then it's like they start becoming, you know, they become a, a ninja master at it. You know, like you could see, I mean, all they have to do is do it like five times, do it five times with five different people. And then they're like, I got this now. I get it. It's not mm-hmm. that hard, but somehow I think it maybe goes back to, you know, like for me personally, that's been a skill that I have gotten better and better at over the years, but I grew up with none of that. Right. It's, just, it's really, you know, not to go into your childhood stuff, but that was something we just didn't talk about things. No, I mean, got talked no. about. So, and I think that's pretty common, you know, but uh, so you have to change that in your little person head, you know, that, yeah. that it's okay, you know, and get the practice. Yes. 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 That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So get the book so you can get the insights on that. I want to talk now a little bit about peer coaching. Because we're talking about giving what it takes to help people change behaviors. Uh, This is a book, Peer Coaching Made Simple. The concept, I introduced it to the group that I did the 360s with by having them, we just called it a mastermind partner. And so they picked a mastermind partner and they picked three times that they were going to check in. It wasn't nearly the full program, but it gives them a taste of, oh, you're like, we're going to, they were like, we're going to coach each other. And I said, well, yeah, you're going to check in. You know, and I said, here's the things you're going to check in on, you know, things that you said you were focusing on, see how you're doing. It can be a call. It can be a text. It can be emails, but you're going to check on in on these specific days. So that's one way to help this organization that I just worked with carry it forward. And it doesn't leave mm-hmm. the room. There's more that needs to happen. And you have a bunch of systems that help with that technology wise, but just talk about this peer coaching and how it ties into everything we've been talking about and how it helps. Sure. Well, we realized this was an important element after we wrote the connect with your team book and looked at this whole issue of well, it doesn't do anybody any good just to read that book, you know, and then get this head knowledge about what listening is like. So how can we help bring it to life? And the idea of peer coaching just popped up because organizations often hire coaches for, you know, higher level executives and sometimes, you know, lower than that, but they can't really economically bring in a coach for every person. But everyone needs coaching because we need to be able to talk it out and and get support for what it is we want to work on. So we thought these are two really good companion books, because if people are have been exposed to through our book, the Connect With Your Team book, or through a course about communication skills, peer coaching can be a natural follow-up, just like you put in place with uh, the folks in in that particular group. And the whole idea is 
having someone that's going to both hold me accountable and support me. And so they don't have to have credentials in coaching. They don't have to get certified. It's just they need to care about that other person's success and how they're doing. So yes, we have a a kind of formalized it, but it can be as unstructured as you want. It just needs to be some kind of structure in place where there are two people or you could have three. You know, it's flexible how you want to set up this idea, but coaching partners simplifies the scheduling. And so you agree on a time. It could be weekly. It could be every other week. It could be as short as five or 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be this one more thing to put on my calendar, onerous task, right? So when they do that, the simple structure is, what have you been working on, which we know from our previous commitment, but if we're doing it for the first time, which of these skills do you want to work on the most? And what aspect of this skill are you going to really be practicing this week or these next two weeks? So you share what that is and agree to it. And then when you get together the next time, you're sharing, how did it go? Give me some examples of when you practiced it and what kind of result did you get? What kind of feedback or reaction did you get from other people? What did you learn from that? And what would you change? Do you want to keep practicing that over the next week or two, or are you wanting to switch to a different aspect, let's say, of listening? So it's it's checking in, getting support, and the other person can share ideas if they feel like it's appropriate, or if they work closely with the person and they've observed them, they can give them some additional feedback or ideas. So it depends where they're partnering up from, if they're coworkers versus from different department or different areas. But the whole idea is continue working, building that trust over time so that you it really have fun with it as you're working on a skill. It's not something to dread. It's something to look forward to, to know, gosh, this other person is really interested in how I'm doing. And it just makes such a difference in the commitment to practicing the skill over time. And there's, there's, I was just making a little list like, okay, there's so many benefits to this, like just off the top of my head, what you just said about build trust. So, you know, we build trust one-to-one. We don't build it all collectively as a team. We build it here. I build it with you. Then I build it with Danny mm-hmm. and I build it with Paul. And then if we all work together, we'd have some greater trust, but it's one-to-one built. So you're building mm-hmm. trust between people in your company. You're having fun around training, which you said with the development. It's like, okay, this is not a heavy handed, you know, or got to work it lightens it up. You're, you're, you know, I was thinking about the Gallup organization. One of the things is I have a best friend at work is somebody who's committed and engaged to the work. And maybe you don't become best friends, but you have this dynamic of trust and somebody yes. cares about me. I mean, mm-hmm. the job description for a peer coach is you care about the person and you want them, you want to help them improve. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a really good job description. And so yeah. there's a lot. There's a dynamic there that relate looks like having a good friend at work, you know, which is mm-hmm. Gallup said if you had that, you were more likely to stay in the role and stay with the company. And and then something we hadn't talked about, but what is teaching the peer coach and you're coaching each other. So you get to take turns is you're getting comfortable with being a facilitator. Yes. 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 Exactly. Yes. The more you work with a peer coach, the more you are building up your coaching skills that then you can use with the other people on your team. And that is such a powerful benefit. Because coaching, I mean, you mentioned this earlier, Susie, coaching is a really key element of being an effective leader these days. I mean, it always has been, but it's even more important now because the younger workers want opportunities to grow and expand and develop. And if they don't sense that from their manager, they're not going to stick around. So I I love that you brought each of those up. I think that's just... So important. And, you know, I'll add one other thing that adds to it being fun and something people look forward to is if they can choose their, choose their own peer coach so that if they get assigned, what you want to do if you're going to set up peer coaches, you want to reduce the amount of potential friction or resistance. Mm-hmm. And one way to do that is give people the freedom to say, I pick you, Susie, for my mm-hmm. peer coach. You want to be my peer coach so mm-hmm. that you are 
allowing people that freedom as as opposed to saying you two are going to be together and you two yeah. are going to be yeah. If, yeah. if it's a group that's been working together, say a class of leaders that have gone through yeah. a program for a year, that's probably not that big of a deal. They all know each other. Right. But if you're just introducing this as, an, as yeah. a new thing, the more you can let people choose, even the participants up front, who wants to participate in something like this? Get the people that are always raising their hands saying, pick me, because they'll be <laughs> your most enthusiastic participants and then champions of the process to yes. other people in the organization. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, some of the leaders that we were working with said, oh, they shouldn't pick their own mastermind partner or peer partner because they'll just tell they won't tell each other anything they need to hear and i i just let it sit for a little bit and i said well you know the best partner is somebody they'll meet with you know and then it was i just left it at that and then the comeback was okay if you want them to just pick their own partner that'll work but you know there is a fear you know like they're not going to do anything you know yeah. but you just you just got to just trust trust the process now talk a little bit about you actually have a technology that helps people helps facilitate this so would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Well, we have um, actually two new programs in the works. And so the our brand is Grow Strong Leaders. So our products are GSL. So we have GSL 360, the assessment tool that you were using. Which I and use we also have and love. <laughs> Thank you. Based on 30 years, I'm just plugging it, plug it because it's excellent. Based on 30 years, I think 30 years, 30 years or one year of product resource from consultants who are in the world and needed to have their have a tool. And, and yes. it's anybody who's ever used it over the years have has loved it. And now you've got this new updated version of it, which I just used yes. it. It was excellent. So keep going. But I just want to make sure people know the history. Oh, thank you. You've got yes. good survey items. There's there's they meet the standards that you want that's going to allow you people to get good feedback. Um, and the way it's set up is great and you can customize it. It's excellent. Um, but then talk about the other things. These are new yes. to kind of with the development yes. afterwards. Yeah. Yes. So GSL Power Partners is, think of it as kind of the low-tech solution for developing a skill where we take those same two books we've been talking about, combine it with 45 videos that are each just two to three minutes long that build on the skills from the book. So they give all these different tips that can be used with those peer coaches who are working with each other. We have a facilitator guide for either an internal or an external person to kind of champion the process and get things set up and going. And so folks have those videos as an additional resource to use as they're working on specific skill. And so I'm the a headshot, if you will, of the videos. And Paula created some wonderful animations in them. So they're very engaging and they're short. So people can consume yeah, them people quickly want and easily. Yes. yes. So that is one product that can be used. And that's a subscription, a one-year subscription that people get access to those okay. videos and they keep the books. The other one is GSL Skill Builder. And that is where we have within the program, the ability for the participant to interact with a coach. And that could be someone within the organization who's assigned more as a, I won't, let's just say a, a leadership coach or an executive coach as opposed to a peer coach. They have a community they can interact with. And we have those same 45 videos, but also uh, videos and resources around character strengths. We have 18 pairs of character strengths like honesty and integrity so that we're looking at communication skills, but also who am I being yes. in, in the workplace? Well, yes. And those are yes. all needed. So that one is in development. And you'll be excited to know Denny's working on a lot of the content for those uh, character strengths. So, you know, it's going to be just yes. awesome. So that will be coming, all, both of those will be coming in third quarter of 2023. And these are things, uh, you're not Johnny on the street, you're not new on the street or whatever the lingo is there. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, you all have been talking about this. I mean, you were talking about train to ingrain and we've changed how it's being, you know, you learn over time what 
and and the information evolves. You learn what helps people understand the points you're making. But you've had it have been talking about this for a long time and working on this and and yes. honing the message. And it's very it's not surface. This is very rich material. Mm-hmm. Um, have been all that you've been focused. Those character strengths you've had those for years too. So yes. you're just deepening it and making it even mm-hmm. more accessible to people, which is beautiful. Exactly. Yep. Keeping up with the times. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Keeping up with the times. And the two people you mentioned are two of your partners that have been in the business with you for the past 30 years. So there's just a lot of, lot of, lot of goodness with a capital G going on there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So thank you for sharing all about that. I wonder, we've got a little bit more time and I'd love to have people know more about you. Um, So learn a little bit more. These are some of the questions we ask of all guests. So uh, we'll see how many we get through, but um, who's most influenced you in your life and career? You know, other than my parents and my husband, I would have to say my two business partners, Paula and Denny, who we've just talked about. Yeah. Think about it. When you work closely in, I mean, the three of us are three equal partners in this business and have been for 31 years. Amazing. That's a pretty amazing record. <laughs> yes, it, it's yes. almost unheard of these days. And we love and respect each other so much and have been each other's cheerleaders because as any business, we've had ups and downs. And so individually, personally, as well as, you know, with the company and through all of that, we have stood by each other and they have supported me. They celebrate me. You know, they appreciate my strengths, what I bring, and they encourage me to keep growing and expanding beyond what I've already done. And that has just been inspirational for me over all these years. So, you know, I have to point to them. I'm an avid reader. So there are lots of books and authors that have affected me and influenced me. But on a day-to-day basis, those two are it. Can't ask for anything better than that. You know, people see you're good you know, and encourage you over that many years. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. So going to skip to the next item. because I know there's more. Sure. We have She's uh, Meredith is a great reader. You're always, you have uh, that bookshelf's probably only care on your back. There's probably only carrying one eighth of all the books that you've read. <laughs> you big reader and, and you're always open to new ideas. So it's very cool. Um, so wake up eager is what we talk about here. Wake up eager workforce. And that comes from each individual getting up every day and, and feeling eager for the day, excited about the day. And, and we tie that to the, your mind, your body and your spirit. So what are some things that you're doing lately that have really helped you with mental clarity, helped you with physical health and well-being, and then helped you with the spirit we talk about in regard to your community and your relationships? Give us a few little things we can learn wow. from from you. Yeah. So in terms of how I wake up, I love getting up every day. I I love my work. I love the impact we're having in the world. So I start out on a positive and I do have my private quiet time in the morning. My husband doesn't get up as early as I do. And I'm glad because I like having that time just to myself where I am reading. And then I, I recently, I've been doing a lot of guided meditations from Joe Dispenza, who's amazing, the work that he's doing. And that has has just centered me beautifully for the day. And so that's helped me a lot just in terms of how I start my day. I also find I'm much better off if the day before or very first thing in the morning, I map out what my priorities and things I'm going to do for that day and block them out in time because that way I'm more proactive, not reactive to whatever comes up. I can still be flexible, but the way my brain works, it it can get into chaos mode if I don't have some structure to it. And then it's like I'm pinging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To avoid that. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that kind of structure is helpful in terms of my body. Getting up and walking outside in the morning, especially this time of year when the birds are singing, because I'm an avid bird watcher, just walking out and um, and this sort of feeds my body and my spirit because it has a calming effect just to be present with what sounds are there and um, making my own personal declarations out loud as I'm talking uh, is who I am not just who I'm aspiring to be, but where I want to come from 
for that day. And that helps me also just get into the a spirit of who I want to be. Outside of work, my husband and I have been avid bird watchers for 20 years now. And I've organized field trips for this state bird watching organization for 14 years. And that really is a wonderful community for me. I am valued there because of my organizational skills. And I get to just be with these wonderful people who love nature like I do and enjoy noticing the birds and just being present for what shows up in the natural world. So that's something I do on an ongoing basis with my husband and also with this group, with the um, the field trips I organize and participate in. So all of that keeps me grounded. Yeah, it seems like it would be a good balance too, because you so many heady things, heady meaning thinking things and technology and, you know, and then, and then yeah. now you're nature with people, but all on a, on a subject. And what's the official word? It's O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-
you know, this is so important. Every person wants to feel that they matter, every one of us. And so I think the greatest gift we can give to each other is to use these skills that we've been talking about, especially listening, to be fully present with someone else and communicate to them through your body language, through your words, your listening, your caring, that they matter, that what they're saying matters, that who they are as a person matters. And that kind of feeling that you convey to that person can stay with them the rest of their lives. You may be the only person who has ever brought that kind of caring to that individual. We never know what someone else has gone through in their life. Mm -hmm. And so if we can be that for someone else, we'll receive it back a hundredfold in our own lives. But if we can focus on giving that to whoever is in front of us at that moment, we will be giving such a gift to them. Yeah. Yeah. Leaving love, every little love drops everywhere you go. And then letting them fall where they fall and go where they go. But that's a great place. That's a great, great legacy and great history. And this has been a great, great conversation. Really appreciate you taking the time. I really appreciate everything you're doing, all your good work, and the fact that over at Priceless, we've been able to partner with you all all these years. And thank you. Well, thank you. I've loved our conversation. And I I love who you are being in the world. You're you're a real gift to the world and to me. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Meredith. We go back a long way. I've known her for at least 18 years. She continues to inspire me and help us in our business with our feedback, 360 feedback and other tools and services that we use and work through with them. And um, the way to get the show notes, what we covered today, to get links on how to contact Meredith and to uh, get links to the books that we've talked about is to go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash grow strong leaders pricelessprofessional.com forward slash grow strong leaders. Now, I wonder while you were on this conversation, had you heard about peer coaching before? It's something that is has so many benefits it, it, as we talked about. And I just want to summarize them because I kind of want to have you keep that in mind and not lose the benefit of how you could easily implement peer coaching within your organization. The benefits is everybody can get feedback and get coaching re- support. It creates an accountability and support partner for people. There's no credentials needed. It can be unstructured or structured. It's very flexible on when and how long. Overall, it helps build skills while building work relationships. And it's something that people are willing to do because it's fun. And it helps people uh, hold themselves accountable, helps people connect, helps people learn and grow. As we know, we can't just read a book or attend a class, 80% of what we learn in a class, we forget in a week so or some some statistic like that. So we need some type of tool. And I know every time I do a 360 feedback, we call it accountability partner, or sometimes it's a mastermind partner, but it basically is peer coaching. And people enjoy doing it. And the format is simple. Basically, you start, the conversation will be, what skills do you want to work on? Uh, what are you going to practice over the next few weeks? And then you set up a time when you're going to get back together. And then when you get back together, you talk about how did it go? Give me some examples of what you practiced. What how, what kind of feedback did you get? Do you want to keep practicing that? Or do you want to switch to a different aspect? I mean, it's, it's very simple. Could be 10 minutes, could be 30 minutes, could be do over coffee, but don't lose the benefit of peer coaching. The bottom line is it, it allows people to check in, get support and share ideas And um, it's how we learn. We learn over time and we learn with support. We can't just go to one class and say, okay, got it. Um, We need to continually revisit. And if we can slot some time to connect with somebody we trust to have those conversations, then um, we're going to be helping people grow. And that's the whole focus of Meredith and her partner's business is to grow strong leaders. And peer coaching is, is a key aspect. She's got some really good coaching support and you'll you'll see links to her books um, and things we talked about. One of them is about peer coaching. So the last thing I want to do is just remind you of what we started out with uh, at the start of this podcast, which is, was about listening. 
And it's Meredith's great words that I want to leave you with is curiosity is such a key aspect of listening. When you are really curious with someone, you're seeking to really understand them. Curiosity is what you bring and love is what is felt. So the whole sentence or section of a couple of sentences there I love, but I love the last piece. Curiosity is what you bring and love is what is felt. So let's all be curious today. Let's be interested in the person in front of us. Let's put aside the distractions. Let's do some peer coaching. Make sure you check out the show notes at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash grow strong leaders for links to everything. You can also check out our directory at wakeupeakerworkforce.com. You can all also leave us a review. I appreciate that if you would. It'll help people find us. It lets us know how we're doing. Pricelessprofessional.com forward slash review. If I can help you, give me a shout. Pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie. Right? Go off and have be curious. Do some peer coaching. Institute it in your organization. And have a wake up your day. Take care. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 